And welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show with myself, Roy Shanahan, David Bugle, and Neil Dobbs. Neil, on a day that Liverpool won their first major cup trophy, domestic cup trophy, I was going to say, in 10 years. I couldn't believe that myself. But they won it on penalties, a nil-nil draw that was not what you would think a nil-nil draw would be. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the game, I thought the game was cracking. Like, I was trying to take a couple of notes during the game of, you know, tactical battles and stuff like that going on. But very, very engaging and trawling game. Um, you know, the Carabao Cup sometimes gets a bad name as far as, you know, people don't take it as seriously. Maybe they don't in the early stages when they have to use their full squad. So Liverpool and Chelsea will both be a good example of that. Um Obviously, then when it comes to the big day, you want to try and be sensible because you can't send out a bunch of kids. Um, and I think the spectacle and the, and the kind of performances both sides did from the managers right down to every every player that came on and the five subs that were used and, you know, really, really cracking game. Um, I thought just it pinnacled real nicely with Kepa coming on and, you know, all this madness about the specialist goalkeeper, the history of Kepa not coming off the pitch for Sarri. And, you know, was he going to be the hero after all this time, despite being dropped for a game where they thought they were going to play him? Um, and then what an end. And from an Irish point of view, absolutely chuffed for uh, Quivin Kelleher to come in in the way he did, scored his penalty, which was, I'd say, he absolutely crapped himself. Uh, absolutely brilliant to see. Uh, interesting, he didn't make a save for for every penalty. Like he, he didn't get, he got near a couple, might have got one, but didn't make a save. But it's great to see him at the end. How much he was appreciated by the team. You're seeing Henderson with him with the cup, and you know, I mean, Jesus, the, the state of Irish goalkeeping has never been stronger. I don't think in the last twenty years. Yeah, no, that is it's brilliant on that side. Uh, Dave, is it a Mickey Mouse cup? <laughs> yeah, um, you can say that for most of it, but in fairness, the cream usually rises to the top, and it's usually one of one of the, or sorry, two of the top four or five sides every year. And once it gets that way, the ego kicks in, and lads want to win the trophy. And I suppose you could probably use it as a nice springboard for the rest of the season. Like with Liverpool still on another three fronts, you know, getting that win and feeling again, lifting the trophy in a big stadium, it just whets the appetite. Like, you know, Chelsea had a nice little run of it there for the last six months or whatever. So that spot you could be probably looking at it. So yeah, it's, 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 if, if Liverpool just end up with that at the end of the season, would I be a bit disappointed? Yeah. But deep down, it could be the start of just wetting the appetite. But as let's get on to the final for a second, as nil all cup finals go, had everything like lads. I, I I lost count. How many goals were disallowed in the end? Four. I'm not five. totally sure. I'm not it totally sure. It was just sure, unreal. Yeah. Um, but I had a bit of everything. Um, plenty of chances on either side. Like for a nil all cup final, it, it certainly uh, had everything. And then um, another. Like what's the story with these penalty uh, shootouts lately? Like the Europa League final with United was eleven ten. A lot of the ones in Euro, Euro, Euro um, European Cup were were high scoring penalties nowadays. I don't know what the the lads they with the look tablets. very comfortable, Dave. As I said it's in the commentary, unreal. it looked like a training ground routine where they're just going up. It's as if it as if it meant nothing to them. But I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. Obviously, I'm uh, joking about the Mickey Mouse yeah. Cup because the League Cup. Carabao Cup now has always been the springboard to going on to better things or keeping the momentum going of a club that's yeah. winning. So it is an important cup competition, and and it's no, it's no, it's no, I suppose, coincidence that the big clubs do always end up in this. Um, Dave, when you look at it, it's ironic, as Neil said, that Kepa was brought on to win it, and then of course it came down to his shooting yeah. ability, and it, it fell away. Uh, you have to try it though, don't you? What bring Kepa on? Bring Kepa on, yeah. If you feel that he's, if you feel that he's the man for you, I'm going to say something shocking. It's the first time 
well, not for the first time, but I actually agree with Jamie Redknapp. I don't like it. I mean, like, you either start them or not. Like, it was the same with was it Holland used to bring on Krull, Tim Krull. Yeah. And um, obviously, like, when it, when it comes off, it looks great. But I, I would, like, Edward Mendy was unbelievable today. Um, now, I know, obviously, Keller had a decent few shot, uh, saves as well. But some of Mendy's saves were outrageous. And, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would feel hard done by was Mendy. Now, listen, if it pulls off, they're a genius, but it's not something that sits with me. If 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 somebody's a, a goalkeeping expert, put him in. If it was a forward or if it was uh, somebody who's a penalty expert, right at the very end, I would. But keepers, you've been playing the whole game. It's a lot of pressure. And yeah, look, you know, another day, it would have been a masterstroke, but I'm not its biggest fan. I'll be brutally honest with you, mate. Yeah, Neil, I'm looking at Mo Salah taking that fifth penalty. I know it went all the way through to the goalkeepers, but that annoys me. That really does my head in that these players who should be taking the first few penalties, who are who are nearly guaranteed scores, is that is, does that bother you? Is that just me? Um, if I put it like this, I think Milner's is a penalty. Um what you call Seppi's expert, Fabinho is the same, and then you've got Mo Salah. So I think you've got three really, mm. really solid ones. So from that particular cup for, uh, sorry, penalty shootout, I'm okay with that because Milner specialised, very, very experienced. Fabinho specialised, very, very experienced. You can afford to have Salah fifth because you're expecting it to go to the fifth. I think the reason why it came to the four in the African nations was because, you know, Egypt did not have four of them guys of them ilk before Mo Salah went. So in that regard, I would have put your best foot forward, send up your best taker. But Chelsea did it as well uh, with Jorginho. You know, Ronaldo has done it for years, which may tie in a little bit with the ego. Um, it can be a risky game, like in the African Cup mm. final, when it comes back to bite you in the ass. But that particular one today, I would have been okay with Milner going first and then Fabinho following. I think you put, you know, two of your best three full forward on that one. Well, sure. Look at um, Timo Werner was like eighth or ninth and he's a striker. You know, yeah, Aaron but he, Conley, but he, he is Timo Werner. Yeah, no, but Aaron Conley was the Middlesbrough, <laughs> the, the cup a couple of weeks ago. He, he never stepped up and there was eight or nine penalties taken on both sides. And he's a forward only, but and he was sat up with his arms over the shoulders. Like it bugs the shit out of me when forwards don't take penalties. Yeah, I, it does fight. for me. But with Timo That's Werner, Timo Werner, Dave, he was the one who I looked at and went, oh, this, this is oh, the yeah, one that yeah, could yeah. lose it. You know, it just... Was, if you're you have to back yourself if you're a forward yeah. your main job is to score goals you should be demanding that you're in that first five end of story but to be eighth or ninth or whatever he was i was like i hope he misses now because like this is ridiculous like you, you know but that's that's another little gripe as well as what you said about salah beat or the, the main guys being last that's a bit is a risky gamble but all forwards should be in the top five end of story and then follow sue whoever it may be yeah, uh, probably a, a silly argument from us when they went and scored 10 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> and yeah. the goalkeepers yeah. had missed. But see the one where uh, Epic was practically on the post and Van Dyke still went that side. Still like, went that side, unbelievable, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the power. And then he gave him the Class. look. Yeah, brilliant. No, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave, what do you think, Roy? Go on, Sorry, what do you think of the carry on with Kepa? As in, you introduce Kepa and this kind of, you know, walking out to the six yard box, messing with his socks, and then the referee correct some three times in a row but then like what can the ref do can he give him a yellow card and say look you need to stop this or you do can send him off the you can still them. send him off neil so i mean you can warn him then you can give him a yellow card and then you say next time it's another yellow card you're going to be sent off and, and just be brutal brutally like frank for an ireland underage team or something remember that yeah he came yeah. off the line he yeah. got a second yeah, yellow card two yellows yeah yeah but then he, well, ireland, he became he apparent to, to after the third penalty he was going to let him go 
he was going to let him go after the third and then yeah. you know from that point forward he just had a free reign so it was something he probably should have nipped in the bud but online there I'm checking and a lot of people are giving Kepa a lot of stick for what he did um, there's short memories there when you watch what Bruce Grobelar did all them years ago and even Jersey Dudek so they all you know, the shoes on the other foot it's a little bit different yeah yeah that's it Dave who stood out for you in the game I thought Rudiger was excellent in the game as, yeah. a, a, as a defender I thought he, he kept Salah fairly quiet down that side uh, but it's not only Salah he kept quiet he, he just did a really staunch job in that in that centre defence yeah, he's in he's in flying form, and to think that he might go for nothing at the end of the year, <laughs> yeah. simple, you know. And anyone in that mother, I don't think he'd end up at Liverpool, but I think every club should be sniffing around. He's a fine defender, and he's definitely playing like he's a point to prove, and he's certainly uh, one of the form guys in, in Premier League football or in relation to defence. Um, elsewhere on Chelsea. It was hard to tell. Like the first ten minutes, they came out very bold and very brave, and then it kind of was a lot of Liverpool ball where I thought Diaz is really starting to settle in nicely and start to get to the rhythm of the game, because um, Salah was kept quite quiet. So the guys out on the left flank got a lot of joy. Um, Fabinho was just doing his usual self, breaking everything down, which was quite impressive. But no one really jumped out a mile for me. I think I don't know whether it was by default or because he was standing there beside them, but. Uh, I think Van Dijk was given the man of the match trophy. I don't know if that's official or not, but um, I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't have given it to him, to be honest. That's for sure. I know if you would give it to somebody off Liverpool, I don't know, maybe the keeper, just purely for a couple of the saves he made in, in, in the first half. But um, like no one was horrendous, but no one, I don't think anyone jumped out more so than Rudiger. But I think overall it was solid performances enough from everyone. But um, poor old Mason Mount didn't have a shooting boots on today, that's for sure. Yep, and he doesn't seem to be in the same form as he was. He was a, a key component of that team. And just Ooh. even in behind Pulisic as well. So there's a couple of little positions in behind the striker that's just not firing all cinders for Chelsea at the moment. And that bit may be why Ooh. they're struggling slightly. Neil, what does this do for Liverpool now on the title run? And we're going to talk about Manchester City against Everton. And actually, we'll talk about that now. Manchester City got a... F- fortunate victory I suppose you could call it with a well talk about the handball now yeah, I hope, I hope um, you've seen it <laughs> I did see it yeah yeah no I've seen the handball and there's 150 images of, of you know because it's all about the shirt line now isn't it you know how low on the shirt and all it is um, Frank Lampard I think summed it up best when he basically yeah. said I don't want apologies I don't want any kind of you know, oh yeah, Frank, we're sorry you didn't get that. It means absolutely nothing to them. Slated the officials, slated VAR, slated basically everybody, but kind of went, look, I don't need your pity. I needed that point. And he really did need that point, Frank Lampard. And it would have been, whatever about, you know, Liverpool and what that will do for them today. Imagine what that point would have done for Everton and would have done for Frank Lampard and the project that he's starting to to get going on. So um, very disappointed. I get from a Liverpool, if you put your Liverpool shirt on, you were thinking, geez, there's another draw and City are really beginning to wobble. Um, but they pulled through it, which, you know, by the, the, the good graces. So what can you say? It was a horrendous decision. You know, as they were saying, a three-year-old would have looked at that and said, yeah, hit his arm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of calls for corruption and stuff like that, which I won't go that far. But bitterly disappointing if you're on the Everton side and even, dare I say, Liverpool side when you're looking at that. Maybe the VAR official was uh, part of the... The boxing referees. The, oh, the don't get well. me started. <laughs> we won't go into that one. Uh, Dave, like, there has been calls for, and I 
think it's absolutely spot on that we should be allowed here what the officials say yeah. now. We've talked about this before, but it's it's gathering momentum now. Uh, VAR and referees communicating together, just like the rugby does, it really needs to be brought in now because we need to know exactly why. They don't come out afterwards. We don't get to hear anything afterwards. And we won't hear anything about this. This will be all over and done with. We just have to accept it and... and you know, yeah, that's not exactly. The way it like, be. and like, just to reiterate a little bit what Neil said there, especially about I thought Frank Lampard hit the nail on the head and he, his exact line at the very end, which is something that I would have wanted to say a few times, but just probably wouldn't have said it as well. Listen, it's one of two things. It's either they put their hand up and say it's incompetence, or two, they actually explain to me why they made that decision because he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it a million percent like any, anyone else did. But if we could hear it we could maybe still think they're an idiot and still think they made the wrong decision. Well, at least we can kind of try to comprehend by their thought process, which obviously we don't. Um, and and it's the same. It was even the same today a little bit. Like most of them are fairly straightforward, but the Liverpool goal that got disallowed, I was kind of going, right, it looks like he's offside, but is he, is it, are they given, are they disallowing it for offside? Or are they disallowing it for a bit of a, an obstruction? Which, which is it like? But not that I care, but it was just out of interest, you know. Um, so if you hear them talking, you'd know for sure whether it was offside or obstruction or whatever it may be. Same as yesterday. Why on earth did they think that that's not a, a handball? Because he blatantly put it under his control and mm. then sent it home. Um, and, you know, I'm harking back to it just for a bit of crack. But I'd rather they have scored a Vincent Company style goal instead of that horrible goal that somehow Michael Keane, poor his, his legs just gave up and just froze um, it was unlucky. He got he got a deflection, didn't it? He? he put yeah. him off balance. <laughs> yeah. I did but everything. When it he went could. in, I went. Ah, give me a thirty-five yard screamer into the top corner. Yeah. I can at least I can live with that more. But uh, look, it it could it could be a massive game in the greater scheme of things because if the two teams keep spitting out the results that they are, these kind of moments are are definitely going to be talked about potentially when when the season's over and the, and the margins could be minimal. You know. Yeah, so I think everyone on the planet can agree that that was definitely a handball and a penalty and uh, we are baffled, I suppose, how it went and these things need to be sorted out so hopefully that does happen. Now, today... Marcelo Bielsa left Leeds on mutual consent. Uh, I can understand that he he's that kind of proud person that he actually probably couldn't see himself uh, do the job any further with the way things are going. He uh, he's kind of that that kind of lad. And um, former Leipzig manager Jesse Marsh is close to being appointed head coach. Uh, we've got that from a couple of uh, sources. What do we know about him, Dave? Well, he is born in Racine, Wisconsin, in the US. He's uh, 48 years of age, pretty much played his whole career in the MLS. And then, obviously, he managed the national team for two matches, um, was the assistant then, but obviously had a couple of stints in MLS. One of them had been a part of the Rebel umbrella with New York. And from there, he obviously must have impressed and ended up at Salzburg and now at Leipzig, and now he's been heavily tipped. So he's kind of gone through the Red Bull Academy side of things. So he wouldn't be str- he wouldn't stray too far away from what Bielsa does, but maybe with a little bit more of a defensive structure because whatever about what Bielsa does, um, there was a great um, a bit of analysis on, uh, on, a, on a moment in the first half. Yes, they were all 11. They weren't just in Spurs half. They were well into Spurs half. And as soon as the passage of play broke down, it was four on one within the blink of an eye because you've got your sons and canes of this world to counterattack, and it was just wild and reckless and 
Obviously, the the, the match against uh, Liverpool and Anfield during the week, 6-0 and now 4-0. The writing was on the wall. So, uh, this Jesse Marsh guy, obviously, as I said, certainly under the tutor, says here they, he succeeded in Eaglesman and he's been there now at the moment. So, I would say potentially a little bit similar in the sense of the high pressing and stuff, but maybe with a bit more of a uh, defensive structure to make things tight. But in fairness, BLS has been missing Calvin Phillips as well. He's a massive loss in that defensive side of the, the access for them. But, and Bamford as well. And Bamford as well with the goal. So goals dried up, their little anchor in the midfield, kind of they're missing. But at the same time, you know, even last year, like as good as it is when it clicks, at this at this level, I that, that team wasn't good enough and the big boys just picked them apart. But now the mid-range and the lower teams are starting to pick them apart. And it was the beginning of the end, unfortunately. Yeah, Neil, I'm just after looking at their results. In the last 14 games, they've won three. Uh, that's including one game in the FA Cup. Last five games, they've lost four and drawn one. It's just they've been plummeting for a, for a good while now. Um, and when you see the other teams down the bottom actually getting results... It probably had to be done, didn't it? Yeah, look, I, I took a good long look at Bielsa last year, right, when they were picked apart by Man United under Solskjaer. And even this year now, there's been a couple of the bigger teams. Davis saying some of the bigger teams really, really did a number on them. And the solution wasn't very hard. It was basically to bring your centre half past their uh, their number nine. And then you were literally running right at the defence. So... Um, they got sussed by Man United, they got sussed by Liverpool recently, and then Spurs just meet and drink to, to Son and Kane. Uh, balls over the top, leads push up. Uh, very predictable. Um, Bielsa plays one style, it's Bielsa way or no way. Um, it can be successful at times, high energy, high octane. But I remember looking at their stats even when I was writing the article and thinking to myself, have they had a clean sheet in the last two seasons? Because they are absolutely throw the kitchen sink at you every single time. And the odd time it comes off and they get a big win. But when you start getting analysed to that depth by the other Premier League managers that realise there's that kind of naivety to it, they'll just keep picking you off. They'll sit and they'll sit. You can't get in behind them. And then you're shipping goals. So there's a lot more, I think, going on there. I think he's kind of reached the end of the way he wanted to play in that kind of open style. It's very risky in the Premier League. Um, on a personal note, I guess, when you look at Bielsa, it's kind of probably disappointing on the road that he's brought leads on, you know, he's brought them up and he's brought them to where they are today, but probably in hindsight now, the right decision for him to step away. Yeah, 100%. I, I, listen, I said it before when he was at the height of it, when he got them into the Premier League, watching their football, I think that what he was doing, I thought was overrated by everyone. You know, everyone jumps on the, the hype train. I think he's done a fantastic job, don't get me wrong. I just, Everyone was putting them at a huge top level. As you said, there's too many gaps at the back. Even Pep doesn't leave it uh, that wide open. So uh, there was question marks for me. Goals. They've conceded yeah. the most goals in the league Crazy. this year. Norwich are uh, yeah. at 55. They're five goals more than Norwich. So it yeah, says a yeah. lot. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna be that open, you're gonna have to keep the ball a long time, and they don't keep the ball uh, long enough. Just like Pep's team uh, are fortunate that they have the players that they're able to keep that ball. Okay, Russia. We've seen everything that's happening in the Ukraine at the moment, some heartbreaking stories coming out of there. But when it comes to football, there's a lot of countries who are unwilling to play them, Neil, including Poland in the World Cup uh, qualifiers. It's a semi-final, isn't it? And um, in the English FA came out today and said they will not play any Russian team at any age level or, at, uh, or, or senior level. And there's a lot more countries starting to come out now. Um 
what's your thoughts on all this? Is is this the way it should be? Should should it be football separate from politics? Although I don't even think that's always been the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? Do you separate the people? Do you separate the teams? Do you separate the individual mm. sports from politics? I guess you can't. It kind of feels right that they have to have some kind of coming together, but, you know, everyone bands together and, you know, does what little they can. Whether little is you're calling off an under-16s game or, you know, the likes of the English FA coming out at the halftime today in the Carabao and kind of announcing that, hey, we're, we're weighing in heavily on this to the maximum of their ability. Now, again... Does that matter in the grand scheme of things as far as what goes on at the, the people who make the decisions? But I do think it's important to show solidarity. I do think it's important that whatever can be done can be done. Um, and if these are the kind of small steps that get you there, so be it. But uh, it does open up a kind of worms from the football community of what is going to be the outcome of Poland, for example, refusing to play a game, what way this is handled. And now it's going to push, I guess, the guys at the top of the tree um, to, to make decisions of whether that's acceptable and they're going to move on or what exactly they're going to do in the future. Dave, was it UEFA or FIFA that came out today with, uh, I suppose, yeah. the news that they want to play them under a a, a banner of kind of a neutral sort yeah, of Yeah, so it's FIFA, a bit similar to the Russian Olympic Committee uh, in the Winter Olympics and obviously the Summer Olympics previously. So they've ordered Russia to complete um, their upcoming matches without their flag, anthem, and as the Football Union of Russia in neutral territory following the evasion of Ukraine. Um, so obviously you said Poland, who are on the, uh, who they're drawn with in the World Cup uh, playoff, but uh, Czech Republic and Sweden are, are on the other side of the semi-finals, and they both said they won't play them either. Um, so FIFA said they'd like to reiterate its condemnation of the use of force by Russia in its invasion of Ukraine. Violence is never a solution, and FIFA expresses deepest solidarity to all the people affected. However, they said it, it's continuing dialogue with the International Olympic Committee, UEFA, and other sports organizations to determine any additional measures or sanctions. So... That's their first step, and it looks like they'll probably all come together, I suppose, as one. If if what you if is you this a, is it a is it a cop out by FIFA? Maybe because I if the other, these countries are saying they're not going to play them, it doesn't make a damn of a difference who's you yeah. know what banner they're under. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, they need to make a call because if if this ongoing conflict uh, sticks around, like a. Like there's a lot of people like from some of the news reports, like it's all speculation, but they definitely think this is going to unfortunately be around for a good while to come. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, they'll have to make that call, but I think they should make it early um, because it might help. It might just public unrest at home and, and everyone and their mother stands up and says enough's enough. This has got to stop and stuff like this maybe can help. So if one of the organizations sticks their head out and said, right, this is what we're doing. You know, F1 have banned uh, the Russian Grand Prix, which is not till September. Um, the Champions League final has already been cancelled. Um, UEFA are looking to scrap the Gazprom uh, sponsorship. Schalke came out with the with their own name across the jersey instead of Gazprom at the weekend. So there's some measures been made, but FIFA really need to step up and um, need to step up fast because I think it's, it's next month is the playoffs. So you haven't got much time to uh, consider this. Um, so if anyone should, in fairness, it should be the most popular sport in, in world, in, in, I nearly said in world football, in world sport, that should maybe lead, lead from example and say, right, you're gone. Um, and, and don't pussyfoot around it. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. I, I, I personally think that they shouldn't be, no one should play them. I don't think they should be in be anything. Dangerous. It'd be dangerous as well, right? Yeah. 
Well, it would be course to be dangerous. You yeah, know, I mean, could you imagine the people would be flooding to Poland or whatever neutral venue where the game is? Remember, like here when um, South Africa toured and there was awful stuff going on when it was in the height of apartheid. Like it could be dangerous uh, in wherever they play in in, in mainland Europe uh, with protests and God knows what. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll we'll leave that one there because there's more to come with that. That's probably down the line. Next week you could have a whole different story. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Newcastle United have made Dave a huge turnaround. And when you look at them now, I think they're pushed up to 14th. I haven't got the league table here in front of me. I think it's 14th or yeah, 15th uh, place. Now, again, separated by a, a few points. You could easily drop back down yeah. again. But it's not just where they are now it's how they're going about it Dave and how they're playing their football and Ryan Fraser was on after the game the other night talking about Eddie Howe and what he has done to change the mentality around the club what does this say about Eddie Howe first of all about Newcastle's players who we were all slating and Steve Bruce yeah and it just goes to show you um like obviously the results help because whatever about a new manager coming in and having great new ideas and wanting to freshen things up, uh, you need the results to, uh, to, to to back it up because he can come in with the greatest of enthusiasm and the greatest of ideas and everything's going to be nice and new and fresh and bright and breezy. But you keep losing four or five in a row, it's just the same old, same old, you know, and that's what happens. So thankfully the results have gone his way. But now that they are, the way they're playing, it's they're not playing like relegation team. They're not playing with that fear factor. There's a definite swagger, a little bit of a swagger almost, and, a, and there's certainly a confidence. And the fact that they're missing Trippier and even Sam Maximan, who are arguably probably their two best players, um, says a lot. And the resurgence of Joe Linton playing in this deeper midfield role, it's it's unbelievable. Like that determination for that header, that, that wouldn't have happened if he was playing up front a year ago, that's for sure. Um, so it's a nice perfect marriage of a new guy coming in with fresh ideas but the, the results have backed it up so whatever he's saying now has a lot more um, credibility and even even Fraser that could have been a bit of a bitter pardon when he jumped ship from Bournemouth but mm. obviously all bets are off and he's playing like a man possessed because maybe he feels like he should be playing from because of what happened with Bournemouth and um, yeah long may it continue for them because as I said they're unbeaten in the last five and yes they're four points away from Borny with a Borny have a game in hand, but it, if they keep going the way they are, we won't be talking about them as relegation material. But it's just a nice, perfect marriage, and long may it continue. And uh, if they really start to flex their financial muscles, it could get very interesting in another couple of years' time. But uh, starting to feel, I'd be a lot more confident that they're going to stay up, and I don't think they'll be embroiled in that battle if if, if what they're doing at the moment uh, maintains. Yep, totally agreed. Neil, Brentford again lost yesterday. Of course, it was to Newcastle. Now, albeit there was a sending off in the game that really changed the the whole atmosphere around the game. So it gave them a little bit of a, a tough time trying to get something out of that game. But Christian Eriksen came on for, I think it was half an hour he came yeah. on for. But I know you're over in the States, Neil, and you haven't got to, to, to see as much football as uh, you would have previously. But when Christian Eriksen came on, he showed the little bits of class. There was some passes that he played yeah. were outstanding. If anything, Christian Eriksen needs to be their saviour now at this stage, doesn't he? 
Yeah, they, they, look, I think they're on a wing and a prayer at the moment, Ryan. We said it last mm. week with Brentford. I just, I'm worried about them. It's, look, form is, is this is the time to hit the form. As Dave is saying there with Newcastle, they've picked the right time since the Christmas break to pick up the results, pick up form, and that gives you momentum to head into the final few games. Whereas Brentford started off with great form. They were attacking teams. They were you know, they were risky, they were positive and you've watched them in the last four or five games and they really, really have gone negative and that kind of buzz, that kind of, you know, the free shot at a game at a big club where they played against Liverpool and played against City and gave them a torrid time has now gone and now the fear is moved in and the mm. problem with the fear is that, uh, you know, it's very difficult to get rid of that and sometimes it happens with a change of manager, sometimes it happens with a change of influence and I'm hoping that this time if they don't change the manager, that it's a change of a player or personnel. And maybe Ericsson fits that profile. You know, he he would be going around there, big personality, guy that's kind of been there, seen it. Um, and hopefully he rubs off on them players and can encourage them to get back to that kind of, I won't say free scoring, but definitely attack-minded positivity that uh, was in the, uh, the Brentford performances in the first uh, kind of half of the season. Um, but they need him and they need that type of attitude going forward. Yep. Dave, I'm just going to finish off with the League of Ireland, funnily enough, because the League of Ireland has started off um, some great different results there. It's it's definitely a tighter league this year. But the one thing that I want to focus on is the attendances. Um, Just on League of Ireland standards, it's been brilliant, uh, all getting in around five, four thousand, which is brilliant for the stadia that, that is available. And it looks like the COVID scenario has actually helped the League of Ireland yeah. uh, and boost it maybe because there was the League of Ireland TV gave uh, a package that you could see all the games and, and people were sitting at home and, and got to see more games but it's there's certainly been a boost in attendances and uh, this can only be good for Irish football Yeah it was gathering great momentum before COVID and then obviously with COVID actually coming in and I, d- I definitely agree with you in relation to League of Ireland TV you get to see more of your own team or any neutrals who where I was sitting on the fence about League of Ireland, maybe probably developed a, a love for a team. But I think the fact that just getting out to see a game of ball has been a massive pull as well, which is brilliant. But it's also a decent game of ball nowadays. Like the the coverage needs to maintain what it is. Like even though it was a wild night and the weather wasn't great and the pitch was soft from two weeks ago um, with Shells and Pats, it was still an impressive game of football. Um, where they were trying to do it in the right way um, and credit to them. But then the goal alone uh, is an advertisement, uh, the the winner in the last minute. Now, obviously, what happened afterwards, we'll move on from that. But the McGonagall's goal for Derry in the last minute on on Friday night was fantastic uh, in a massive game just to kind of lay a marker down that they are going to be potentially one of the better teams to 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 to, to challenge Rovers this year, who, who would be uh, anyone outside of Ireland. They'd be like our Galactico. They have a lot of stars. But... Um, that factor, what you're saying, League of Ireland, everything else, but definitely just to get out and see a game of ball live. I just to jump ship for a minute, but even though I'd say attendance are up in the likes of the the Gaelic League, um, I've definitely noticed there's a bit more. Good uh, brother in law goes to a lot of the games and he's noticed the away games that he goes to. There's a lot more there, maybe a thousand or two extra. So I think it's that buzz of being out again and seeing some good football, but not only that, the standard, regardless, going back to the to, to League of Ireland, the standard is definitely there. And not every game is the best game in the world. Watch the Premier League every weekend. You're not going to get a cracker every every minute of the day. So the fact that you've only seen a match of a Friday, you might think, oh, geez, the last three have been shite. No wonder League of Ireland's brutal. But with League of Ireland TV, you could watch whatever you wanted and you got to see your own team and you got to see, like, yeah, this standard is decent and it's good to watch. And not only that, 
up the road for a tenner. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and Neil, just looking at the atmosphere at some of the games, uh, of course, they say no pyro, no party. There seems to be uh, a lot of flares flying around the place, but there seems to be an unbelievable atmosphere. And it's something that the more there seems to be a, a, a good atmosphere. I think the other night, uh, Bohemians were playing uh, at home close, and yeah. they, uh, Johnny Logan was on a, ha- a half-timer at the start, start of the game and the, the whole crowd were singing Hold Me Now. So there's a little bit of Irishness to right. it as well. So th- it's it, this is what they want. This is their opportunity now to drag people in, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what it is, Ryan? And just while he's were talking away there, it just reminded me the reasons, and Dave hit the nail on the head there, of why I turned away from League of Ireland football years ago when I was going to Shelburne Games. We used to go into town, go over to, um, to Rovers, which is only across the road. But it was because it was the same kind of mercenaries were moving to the different clubs all the time, whoever had the most money, and the football was atrocious to watch. It was hoofball football. But um, like I've been at quite a few uh, Rovers games last year, and I mean, the quality of football is really good. But for me, and maybe it's just because I'm a little bit more involved, even in the female section where I'm, I'm getting my daughter involved in the um, the 17s and 19s that are being played now at the moment, you've all this proper Irish homegrown talent that are coming through all the teams and you don't look at the bench anymore and see these guys being brought in from abroad or from, you know, Division 2, Division 1 in England. They're our homegrown talent and that to me is the biggest pull to get me back mm. is when you have Irishness and Irish football and that's the type of thing where you can recognise a kid that came through your club or a kid that has been brought through our system and that to me is the biggest pull to, to get people back in there. Yeah, yeah no. that's, that's true, Neil, just quickly. Yeah, I remember going to see Bowes and Cork four or five years ago for no other reason than I wanted to see what Sean Maguire was all about because it was obvious he was going to go um, because he was banging them in left, right and centre and he was quiet that night but Carl Shepherd was an, on a different level. He was a joy to watch, you know. Um, but yeah, like that, 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 the, the next talent and 18, 19, 20, they, they are going and they're moving and it's a great chance to see up and coming emerging talent. You can say, yeah, I remember seeing him when he was 18 yeah. up in Inchicore or wherever it may be and yeah, big time. I'd 100% agree with that. Yep, um, something for those from Ireland to, to keep an eye out for. And of course, we have the big kickoff League of Ireland uh, podcast. If you, you can find us on YouTube and, Smooth, uh, on, and on all major podcast providers, just like this show as well. So if you're <laughs> listening, listening on podcasts, uh, we're on YouTube. Check us out and vice versa. If you uh, are looking at these ugly mugs, we're also uh, available on all the podcasts uh, you can find. Okay, Dave, thanks very much. Neil, thanks very much. And thanks very much for you for watching and listening and uh, we'll talk to you next week.